This message is produced by the Transformation Edge Church. We believe you'll be inspired and transformed by it. The Trans Edge, a change is inevitable. How many of you have started something with your fast? Amen. That's fantastic. Amen. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. That's good. You see, and that's the truth, though. That's the honest truth that, you know, at some point, when you're learning, of course, you, you probably at times trip. You know, you trip, you realize you tripped and fell. What do you do? Do you remain there? Yeah, I've started doing this anyway. Let's just go with it. No, you get up. Get up very quickly. You, don't, you no longer get comfortable with it. Um, you start to feel, oh, this is really looking good. And, and at times, your mind is the first part that really congratulates you for this new journey that you're on. Goes, man, you're doing well. Or when was the last time you said something negative about yourself? And you see, it's not just actually about speaking something positive either. It's about speaking God's word about yourself. Because positive things really does not sustain you for for long. But it's God's word that sustains you. Because God, the Bible says God holds everything up by the word of his power. By the word of his power. And that's lovely. And, and it requires training. It requires constant, constant giving ourselves to it. And it's being conscious of it. It's being um, intentional with it. It's a new path. And it's a path that has been carved out for us by the Holy Spirit. Because, hey... How about us doing life so much so with the Holy Spirit that you can hardly tell us apart? Because you're actually not meant to be, you know, told apart. Because when he comes inside of you, he takes over you. He doesn't possess you like the devil. But he possesses you in a way that, you know, you, you, you just love this. And it's not about the feeling. Because it's not a mental thing. It's a spirit thing. Hallelujah. It's true. It's a spirit thing. And at times, at times you might not feel, well, I've got the Holy Spirit right here. But whether or not you feel it, he's there. Because it does not work by how you feel. It doesn't at all. So you might find yourself at a low point. Don't go, oh, well, I'm just, you know, I'm not sure what I did to rid myself of the Holy Spirit. No, you didn't do anything. And he didn't go anywhere either. He's been there, and he will be there. He said, Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, he said, the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit will come, and he will abide with you forever. He said he will stay with you forever. He didn't say when you get get him angry, he will leave. Or when you are not feeling happy, you will feel moody too. No, he said he will stay with you forever. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. And, and, and it's important for us to understand that and to also be aware of it, that this is what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. It's important. Because if you are not aware and then intentionally um, 
you know, keen on working with him that is in us, you probably might miss out on the most important things and the most important moments. We see, whilst the Holy Spirit is in us and with us and working in us, there are these beautiful moments that we have with him. Amen. We are in union with the Holy Spirit. We are in union with the Father by the Holy Spirit. We are in union with the Father in the name of Jesus. So that union is not based on your feeling. It's based on your spirit. How many of you feel, feel your spirit every now and again? You feel your spirit. All right, that's fantastic. But you see, it's not about um, you know, a, a sensory feeling. It's not a sensory feeling. It's a confidence. Yeah, that, that's lovely. But can I say this also? At times, uh, people liken the Holy Spirit to, or the effect or the impact of the Holy Spirit to goosebumps. Right? And you sing a particular song and then you get goosebumps. You say, wow, this presence of the Holy Spirit is here. No. It's not. The Holy Spirit is here not just because of your goosebumps. Celine Dion is singing, at times I get goosebumps. That does not mean she's singing the Holy Spirit. You know? Something touches your mind. Actually, the response to goosebumps is about your mental uh, impact or how it impacts you mentally. If you weren't listening or weren't watching or looking, whatever, if your senses were not attached to it, you wouldn't get goosebumps. So goosebumps is not one way of knowing the Holy Spirit is here. And shaking terribly like plastic bag in, in the wind that's the most nicest way I could describe it. I'm being nice. It also does not signify that the Holy Spirit is upon you. Of course, there are people who get the, the, the impact of the Holy Spirit on them and they can't stand it. But it is they that cannot stand it. The Holy Spirit has not come so that you can shake terribly. Oh, don't forget the Bible calls him a gentle spirit. It's a gentle spirit. But you could have the impact. You could have, feel the effect. There are some people who may even you know, fall under the power of the Holy Spirit. It's all good. That's okay. But it doesn't mean that you have to fall when the Holy Spirit is on you. And that's what gets some people um, discouraged. They say, well, I went to that meeting and they were laying hands on other people and they were falling. And I didn't fall. So, so that, does that mean the Holy Spirit didn't touch me? No, it doesn't mean. You are as much full of the Spirit as that other person who fell on the floor. And probably much more. <laughs> it's true. So it's not how you signify that the Holy Spirit is upon someone. And that is why here at church, we may lay hands on you. I said may. We may lay hands on you. Um, and at times, I even prefer not to even touch you. But I could touch you. But so that the, the power 
is not in the pushing. It's in the word. Are you still here? It's in the word. Because God's word is full of power. But my hand is blessed and there's an anointing on my hand. But that's not to say when the anointing is on my hand, it leaves my words. The anointing is in words. Don't forget that. The blessing is in words. The anointing is in words. But you can lay hand on the sick, the Bible says, and they'll recover. But you see, you can speak words to the sick 10 million miles away. They will recover. So tell me the position of hands. Are you still here? All right. So it's important for us to understand how the Holy Spirit moves in our lives. And it's important for us to understand that the Holy Spirit does not work by the way we feel. You could have some feeling in a particular situation about the Holy Spirit. That's beautiful. That's great. But it doesn't mean that every time you have that feeling is the Holy Spirit. Because then we box him into our own idea, our own concept of how he moves. And the Holy Spirit cannot be boxed. And that is why he left the box, the Ark of the Covenant, right? And came into each and every one of us. And think about how many billions of people who are Christians carrying the Holy Spirit today. He cannot be boxed. Hallelujah. And I'm saying that to say that the, the word of prophecy that you speak, get to understand who is activating it. It's just like when you buy a SIM card, it's not activated yeah. until you put it into your phone. And at times they say, call the carrier, punch these numbers on your phone, and they will activate it. So at times you speak words, and they're not working because it's not been activated by the Holy Spirit. But then he stands behind your words to ensure that it works. Look at the scripture that we read the other time. Mark 11, verse 22 and 24, or 22 to 24. He said, have faith in God, Jesus said. Say, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say. Did you hear that? I like the, the, the mechanics of that statement. It said, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, if anyone speaks to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea. And that anyone does not doubt in their heart, but believes what, that what they say, believes that what they say will happen. It sounds futuristic, isn't it? but believes that what they say will happen. They said, it will be done for them. That sentence, the last sentence, that last part suggests something different. It says, it will be done for them. Who is doing it for them? You know how I said the Holy Spirit activates your word? It will be done for them. The Holy Spirit activates your word. He becomes the power behind your words. And that power does not ignite itself without faith. And that's why Hebrews chapter 11 said to us, he said, you know, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. Can you, can you pull it up? Hebrews 11 verse 6, the amplified version. Let's try that. Look at this. He said, 
But without faith, it is impossible to please and be satisfactory to him. For whoever would come near to God must necessarily, huh, necessarily believe that God exists and that he is the rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. So without faith, it's impossible to please him. But in our world, at times we think, okay, so it's impossible to please God. So it's God so difficult to please. Right? So man, it's so difficult to please you, man. No, it just says, hey, he that comes to God must first believe that he is. And he's a rewarder that of them that diligently. And when it talks about diligently, it suggests to me that it's also consistently. And that also suggests that it's an intentional thing. Are you still here? And if it's intentional, you're not going to go, okay, um, I'm just going to pray, but I'm not sure if God is going to hear it. But you're going to pray in such a way, understanding fully well that, you know what, I'm praying to God who exists. He said, for whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists. So we, un- we need to understand that God <clears throat> is real. So if you don't believe that, of course it's going to be difficult to please him. And it's not actually about pleasing him because how can you ask something of someone who does not exist? So you've got to understand that. You've got to understand that. You can't ask me for 50 million when you know I don't have it. But the ones who heard that I won the lottery yesterday will confidently come to me and say, Michaels, 50 million now. Because you can't ask something of someone who does not have the capacity to do. I was still here. And that is why some people are comfortable to believe God for a particular thing. And they cannot believe for another thing. Some people feel comfortable, let's believe God for your healing all right? Let's believe God for your healing. But they can't believe God for, for riches, let's say. Or some people believe God, okay, let's just believe God for our daily bread. And you can't believe God for long life. And that's where the idea of salvation comes in. Because salvation is not just about delivering you from death. It's also about transferring you into life. And it's not only about just receiving Jesus, that's salvation. Salvation is an all-encompassing word which covers, is an overarching word for healing, prosperity, love, joy, every good thing. First Peter talks about it, it says, seeing that he is, God has given unto us everything that we'll ever need for life and godliness. And that's through salvation. That's through salvation. So it's not enough for you to just believe for one thing and not be able to believe for other things. For some of us, we compartmentalize our faith. Selective processes. We go, yeah, God can do that one, but the other one, I don't think so. Not today. You know, you mark, you mark out the ones that God can do, but we ought to grow now. Say amen to that. We ought to grow. We ought to grow in God. We ought to have that faith, knowing fully well that God is able to do what he says he will do. We ought to know. And the most interesting thing is that God wants us to grow in the knowledge of him. He wants us to grow in the knowledge of him. If you love someone, you want them to know you more. And you want to know them even much more. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. 
says, we have much to say about this, but it has to make, it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. So in fact, though by this time, say with me, though by this time. That's quite interesting. Why would he say that though by this time? In other words, he's thinking you're too old. All right, so let, let, let's, let's get the context. It's like, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers. You ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. This time you still need milk, not solid food. But you see, I, I, I like the understanding here because that's God's intention for us. To grow and not stay on milk all the time. That's God's intention for us to grow. Great, you've come through the cross, right? But God does not want you to stay at the foot of the cross. Because at the foot of the cross, you go, there's forgiveness at the foot of, because you have made up your mind to always sin. There's forgiveness at the foot of the cross. There's the blood of Jesus at the foot of the cross. But hey, that is not where Jesus has prepared for us. Are you still here? That is not where Jesus has prepared for us. Where he prepared, he said, I got to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you will always be. Jesus is no longer at the cross. So why stay there? You get it? Because at times our religiosity has a way of keeping us bound in tradition. So don't stay there. Don't stay at the foot of the cross. Jesus is saying, hey, you don't need milk anymore. Oh, that's the Bible saying. He said, you don't need milk anymore. You need solid food. You need to grow. I expect you to grow. When you start feeding babies solid food, what do they do the first time? They spew it out. They spew. They spew. They spew. And as a parent, you keep going, nope, open your mouth. Do you know why I said that? Because there are people who'd rather look for McDonald's of God's word. Quick one. Something that makes you hyper just for a little bit and, and then, but it's not healthy for you. It's not healthy. Let's not start thinking about two-minute noodle in God's word. It's not healthy. It's true. There are times you're listening to a word, you say, oh, well, you know, there's this part that was really lovely, and then you fast forward to it. But something built up to that. And you can't just skip the foundation and thinking you're going to sit on top of the roof. We ought to have some foundation. And there's a whole lot of unlearning to do so that we can learn something new, so that we can create a space. See, it's only kids that have got empty space, right? But from the very day they are born, they are filling it up, filling it up, filling it up. And the brain is meant to be at capacity. Either with good stuff or bad stuff. But you see, the more bad stuff you have, the less of good stuff you've got. But your brain is full. Right? But when you start to declutter, what happens? You are opening more space to filling with good stuff. All right. So let's think about what he said again. Right here. He said, in fact... Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths. So in other words, there's, there's a truth. It's truth. Are you still here? It's truth. 
But it's elementary. It's for babies. Primary school. One plus one. Two. It's not 11. It's two. All right? Elementary truths of God's word. But it says, and you want that all over again. In other words, you've been taught this before. So let's move on. Okay, you need milk, not solid food. And then see what he says in verse 13. He says, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant. And can I add mine to it? In parenthesis, although it's old, right? So being still an infant, although he's old, although he's been at church, although he's been in church life for many years, he's still being an infant, and that kind of a person is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. So he's not acquainted about the teaching of righteousness. Say, but, but, I love the word but, but solid food is for the mature. And why is God saying this? God is calling us into maturity. He's calling us into maturity. He can't keep having you on his shoulder. God, I'm, you know, I'm dying here. Come deliver me. Say, okay, okay, my little darling. But at some point, he wants you to walk on your feet. Stop now. Wake up. Stop crying. What's wrong with you? Use your words. You know, at times, God wants to do that to you. But would rather hear, God knows how you're feeling. It's okay. He will come and save you. No, he's not coming back to save you. He has already done it. He's already done it. But if you don't know God's word, you will always sit around that because you just want to make yourself feel okay. Yeah, he's coming. And then you wait and wait and wait and nothing happens. And then you go, well, I've been a Christian for so long. And nothing is happening in my life. This is the reason. The reason is because we've been living on milk, not solid food. Living on milk, not solid food. Say, but solid food is for the mature. Oh, love this. He said, who by constant use? And you cannot use something constantly without commitment. So in other words, you're committed to it intentionally, consistently. He said, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And when he's talking about good from evil, he's not actually talking about being evil or being good in a sense. No, he's talking about who has distinguished themselves between what benefits them and what doesn't. What helps them grow and what doesn't. The Bible said there are ways that seems right unto human beings. So, but the end of those ways there are ways of destruction at times. So it seems right, looks good. And at times some of us go, oh, I just want to know if God, this is God's will for me to do this. And what do they do? Who's got a coin? A coin? A coin? Any coin? Thank you. Go on. So God, heads or tail God. Heads or tail. And then they choose for God. God, if it's head, I know it's your will. You're joking. You're joking. Come on. What do you take him for? A dummy? God is not a dummy. 
And perhaps in your life, when you were young, he had listened to you bargain those kind of things with him. Because at times you go, but, the, you know, casting lot, you know, casting lot is like gambling, right? And as a young Christian, that had worked for you, because at times you looked at it and said, but the casted lot in the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament, the casted lot, they did cast lot. But that was before the Holy Spirit. Go study it. In Acts chapter 1, that was the last place they ever cast lot. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came. And that was the end of casting lots. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go and read it. The last person they cast lot for. You know how Judas Iscariot was removed? Okay? And then they wanted to put someone in place of Judas Iscariot. All right? And the apostles, they had not received the Holy Spirit. They were, they were still babies. The apostles... Decided, you know what, let's pray for someone whom God would choose. So they prayed after praying, they found two people. And then they stopped praying. So instead of praying, Holy Spirit, we need you to choose one person for us. No, they said, now we have been able to select two people. Honest report, great minds, you know, smart in what they are doing. Lord, now we want to cast lots. So they cast lot on the two and the lot fell on one. Minimum, minimum, however they do it. He fell on one. And he said, yeah, this is the new apostle. Go and study the Bible. No one ever heard about that apostle anywhere in the Bible. Praise God. Don't ever cast lots. Don't ever put God in a position where he has to choose. Lord, I don't know where to study today, but just show me where to study. Then you open your Bible and just draw it. We need to be intentional about it. And that's the character. You see, this way is the character of an infant. Of an infant. Whereas a mature person looks out for foundation. They secure themselves and then start laying bricks. On brick. On brick. Amen. Hebrews chapter 5. Say, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, go on to the next one. Chapter, chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ. Does that concern you a little bit? That he's saying, let's leave the primary idea about Christ. He said, what is the scripture? God wants you to get deeper into it. So, but I've been studying God's word. That's God's word. Yeah. But he wants you to get a little deeper. Don't stay on the surface. Go deeper. Ask the Holy Spirit. Open my eyes today. Open my heart today. To perceive your will. To perceive your word. To understand you, God. To understand you. you say, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ. And be taken forward. To maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Let's not do that anymore. He said, and the instructions about cleansing rights, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Did you hear that? So, what is he talking about? The elementary principles. Let's look at the elementary principles again. Come on, verse 1. 
verse 1. It said, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. So he now started talking about what the elementary principles are. Number one, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that leads to death. So it's not saying, um, you know, talking about, you know what, whatever you do, God will forgive you and so on and so forth. I say it's an elementary principle. It's only for kids. It's only for babies. It's a, and of faith in God. So we ought not to be telling you, hey, have faith in God. Because, of course, that is the basic truth. So you should already move past that. Hallelujah. It's a, and then the third one is the instruction about cleansing rites. You know, back in those days, they had these cleansing rites. When you're walking into uh, the church, you have to possibly wipe your feet or clean something. But these days, the cleansing rite that we do is when we come into the church, you say, oh God, Holy Spirit, come down. That's the cleansing rite. And the second part is, every sin that I've committed all week, God forgive me. That's another cleansing rite because you want to be acceptable to God. So you have to cleanse yourself first because you think if you don't pray, forgive me, he will never hear your prayer or he will never accept you, forgetting that the Holy Spirit actually resides inside you. Are you still here? All right. The fourth one, the laying on of hands, he calls it elementary principles. Are you still here? I wish I was the one that made this up, but I'm not. He calls it elementary principle. And that was why I said to you earlier, I said, the power is in the word. All right. So, the other one, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, he calls it elementary principle. He's not saying they are lies. He said, don't stay there. Don't hang your ropes on there. Don't let it be the only place where you are at. And he said, and God permitting, we'll do so. So, in other words... If we have nothing else to do, we can keep doing that. So, but there's much more. There's much more. There's much more. Say to someone, there's much more. There's much more. Don't be satisfied with the foot of the cross. Okay? Don't just stay at the foot of the cross. The foot of the cross is good. That's what led you in. That's the door. It's just like coming to visit me. And you sitting at the door say, oh, this door is great. Thank you so much for opening the door. This door is really looking lovely. And then you just sit down there. And I'm saying, come inside. There's a table prepared for you. Say, yeah, I know, but this door is really great. Thank you for opening the door. Come on, grow up. Walk in. Should I take off my shoes? Just come in. Because there's a table prepared for you. A table is prepared, right? Psalm chapter 23. It says, he prepares a table before you. In the presence of all your doubts, of all your negative inclinations, of all your negative ideology, of all anything that pulls you down. Because at times when we think about all my enemies, we're thinking about that neighbor. No, it's not talking about neighbor. Because your biggest enemy is your mindset. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's move on. Let's move on. Hallelujah. Let's move on. You know, every time God's word is coming, lean in. Open your heart to it. And say, Lord, I'm getting something new today. There's something for me in this. There's something for me in this. And don't be moved by every wind of doctrine. Stay in God's word. Stay grounded in God's word. And can I ask you, 
keep practicing prophecy. Keep practicing speaking God's word over your life. Because that's what will pull you over. In the name of Jesus. We praise you, Father, for what you do and how you do them. We praise you because our hearts and our mind is a lot. Our hearts are open, Father. And we know that you're teaching us by yourself, oh God, so that we can become more and more mature in you. We are those who will change the face of this city so that once again, people will continue to look to you, God. We thank you for the demonstration of your power. We thank you for faith in your name so that men and women will turn around and once again look to you. We are the light of this world, a city that is set on a hill. And we thank you for making it so. In Jesus' name, amen. The message you've heard was produced by the Transformation Edge, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com, or you may contact us via email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com, or on Facebook, The Transedge Church. You may wish to call us on 02-4731-2419. The Transedge, a change is inevitable.